Let us pray. O oh God, you know us better than we know ourselves. As the scriptures are read, we will listen for your voice. By your Spirit, lead us out of our fears and into the knowledge of your love. Through Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of our souls. Amen. Today's first reading is from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Today's Gospel reading is from Acts 9, 36 through 43. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill and died, and when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and left with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then, calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one sign of hand. This is the word of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. This can be a hard passage to read, especially in a small congregation that has suffered losses of members throughout the years. And in a small congregation, any one member dying is um, a big hit. Um, especially in a congregation that has been through a great deal of transition or change. This story of Tabitha can be an emotional one to read. While we all know that um, all our own Tabithas are in the full presence of the Lord for all eternity now, in that great cloud of heavenly witnesses, it's still hard because they aren't here with us today. 
And miracle stories in general can be frustrating like that. They're powerful testaments to God's love and God's work in this world, but they are also hard to hear when we hurt from the loss of our own Tabithas, when we no longer see in our midst some of the powerful saints that have gone down in church lore as the pillars of the congregation. They are hard to hear because we so infrequently hear about miracles like that happening in our world today. When we, like the widows in Joppa, are hurting from the loss of a loved one, we share our stories, we show the works that they did while they were alive. And yet, in spite of our faith and our love for them and the important role that they played in the history and community of their congregation, they are not like Tabitha, restored to this earthly life. Miraculous earthly healing is not in God's plan for many, and that's hard to wrestle with when we read stories of people who did find miraculous healing in God's plan for them. And I'm sure that Tabitha eventually died for good. We would have heard a lot more about her if she hadn't. But we aren't told about how the community handles their grief when she does eventually die. We can probably glean some insight into that, however, by looking at how they handled it before the healing. When they call to Peter and they say, we need you, we need you to come care for us. Please come and help us mourn. Because her death left a huge hole in the fellowship in Joppa. She had been working to support the widows of the community by making them tunics and other clothing. She was much loved. The women of the community showed one another and Peter all of the beautiful things that she'd made, and they talked about how important she was to them. Now, one thing that's interesting is that they didn't try to be strong for one another. They didn't try to hold back the tears so that others would feel better about things. They didn't put on a halfway smile and say, it's okay, she's in a better place now. This passage describes some real pain and vulnerability. These women openly weeped with one another over their loss. They were vulnerable and open. In her life, Tabitha knew her name. I talked about God names last week, the things that, that God calls us. And even from the little we read about her, we can see that she is a great example of this. We know that because people notice. Tabitha was a crafter, and she was well-known and fondly loved for the way she embraced this passion and used it for the good of the church and for the people around her. Here we see the outcome when just one person embraces who they are in God and uses that identity to help others. Tabitha knew her name. And that left a huge impression on the community. This miracle is indeed an important witness to God's power. But more so, this is a story about the sort of person who is highly valued and regarded in the church because of how she lived her calling. She is an example to all of us of how to use our gifts and our passions. It's interesting that the psalm matched up with this story in the lectionary is the 23rd psalm, a psalm that we read at nearly every funeral. We read it because it reminds us that even in the difficult, shadowy times, God is there. Just as all it takes 
for, is for me to say our father, to get a room full of people to say who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and continue the Lord's prayer. If I were to start, the Lord is my shepherd, many of you will start out either out loud or to yourself, I shall not want. Some of you were probably repressing the urge to recite it along with John as he read it this morning. And there is such a comfort in those words. There's comfort in those words because they aren't just about tomorrow or yesterday like many of the Psalms were. They weren't words to stow away for another time. They're words that matter now and always. They're words that Tabitha's friends might even have used for comfort when she died. And in the face of dark times when we are inundated by enemies, God says, Let's sit down and have a meal together. Nothing fancy, just fellowship and gratitude for one another. Sitting down and enjoying God's presence in the face of everything that troubles and nags us. The psalm is about presence and trust. Just being together with God and with one another. Which is exactly what we need in difficult times. The story of Peter healing Tabitha is certainly about God's power. And it's also about acknowledging a person who lived fully into their identity. And it's also about God's community of believers. Our story will not always look like Tabitha's, even when we really want it to. Even when we really miss the people who've gone before us. What it's about is drawing comfort from God's presence and from one another. And one of the ways we experience God's presence is through the other people in our faith community. It's about openness and about just being together as a community who celebrates one another no matter what might fly our way. I'm sure many Tabithas have gone before us in the long life of this church, and many more will be called home to the presence of God in the years to come. In the meantime, let's not wait until we are called home to celebrate one another. Those people in this room right here and now. Tell those around you what they mean to you and how they are living into their God-given name. And that also doesn't mean that we are over as a community because those Tabithas are gone. It just means that we have to be on the lookout to identify and affirm the Tabithas of the next generation who are stepping into leadership, or who should be stepping into leadership. Each Tabitha in our midst is different, and the community will grow and change and ebb and flow depending on who they are at any given time, and that's okay. It's more than okay, it's healthy. We also need to think about the whole church as Tabitha. The church, both the church as a whole and the church as in individual congregations like this one, is not necessarily dying or dead. And we are not on our own trying to rebuild. God can and does intervene. We have to let God intervene. And many churches get stuck in their grief and don't let God do what God does. They spend too much time mourning what was and not enough looking to the next season of life. But when we move past our grief for the past, we are able to see the new life that God is creating. We are able to see the resurrection. We are able to take a hold of that calling, Tabitha, arise. 
One of my commentaries says, Today's story about a woman being raised from the dead challenges our assumption that we are left to our own devices to fix our predicaments. Or, more to the point, that our predicaments are not fixable at all. We live in a world where the familiar nursery rhyme about Humpty Dumpty has tremendous influence. Humpty Dumpty is broken, and the common assumption is that putting him back together again is an impossible task. That is just the way it is, but not according to Acts. Over the past few years, the sessions of both churches and I have been exploring what our identities are and how we can start living in to those identities moving forward. And we're going to continue to do that for the foreseeable future. And we're going to continue bringing you all into it more and more and more. There is new life out there. Just ask Tabitha. But that new life isn't just going to show up magically. As long as you all are willing to continue to embrace and look to the future of this church, not the past, I am willing to keep working tirelessly alongside of you to help provide the vision and the focus. If this church closed up the doors for the last time ever this morning at the end of the service, who other than the people in this sanctuary right now would even notice? Would the community mourn the loss like Tabitha's community did? Or would it just be a little sad that the food pantry got a couple fewer cans each month? If the community around us sees no reason to ever come through these doors, that's our fault, not theirs. For the record, I'm not saying to stop donating food to the food pantry, keep doing that, but do that and then. Remember Saul last week, called by supernatural intervention by God, out of his life of destruction into a life of following God? That is not normal. If we just sit around waiting for people to have Saul moments out there and then come in here, we are going to make very few new friends for the church. We need to reach them like Tabitha did, through our love and kindness. Unlike other miracle stories that we see in the Gospels and Acts, Tabitha is not raised as a means of proving Jesus' power. In fact, Jesus' name is not used at all in her healing. Read it again. It's not in there. Tabitha is raised because her work is too important to let her die. Is the work of this congregation too important to let it die? I think it is. But it doesn't matter what I think, not in this situation anyway. I can be passionate and energetic and smart and all the things everyone wants their pastor to be, and it doesn't matter at all if you all don't believe that the work of this congregation is too important to die. And if you don't act with the passion and energy that come with that belief. I'm just a cheerleader that contributes some ideas from time to time. When we think about renewal and rebirth in the congregation, I am not Peter come to raise Tabitha from the dead. You are. That's so important, I'm going to say it again. When we think about renewal and rebirth in the congregation, I am not Peter. You are. And when we think about the work of this congregation, I'm not just talking about what we are doing right now. I mostly mean the stuff that God is helping us grow into being 
The things that right now we can barely even imagine, but we can have faith are on the horizon. We need all hands on deck. And this passage affirms that everyone is supposed to be involved. There are two names here for the main character, Dorcas, the Greek name, and Tabitha, her Aramaic name. This is also the only place in the New Testament where the feminine version of the word disciple is used. This passage is affirming multicultural, gender-equal participation in the work of the church. In other words, nobody gets an out. Some of you may think you are too old or too tired or too busy to dive in like that right now, but no matter how old or tired or busy you are, you can pray You have ideas. You can support the mission and ministries of the church financially. You can tell people there is something really cool happening over here. You can lift up and encourage your church family and remind people of their God-given gifts and talents. There is a woman at St. Andrews who well into her 90s was passionate about her card-writing ministry. And she is so sad now that she just can't keep up with it. And so you all should know that right now she is loving and praying for and missing every member of her church family, including her extended church family here at Emsworth. You are not too old or too tired or too busy, my friends. You might think your ideas aren't good enough. How do you know if you don't share them? I have found that most of the time when someone is hesitant to share an idea, it's because it's a weird one that hasn't been tried before. But if the stuff that has been tried doesn't work, we are only left with the stuff that hasn't been tried yet, the weird stuff. Some of your ideas might be duds, that is true. We all have some stinkers from time to time. But we learn more, and this is scientifically proven, we learn more from failure from trying and missing the shot than we do from success. So let's go get out there and try some terrible ideas so we can figure out which ones are the great ones. I promise you that when Tabitha first started making clothes for other people, some of them were going to be clearly the work of a beginner. If you've ever taught anyone any kind of craft, you know this to be true, but that's how you get good at stuff. You make some ugly stuff first. You might not be excited about anything that's happening in church right now. That's fine. What are you excited about? How can that be built into the life of the church? If you're not excited about what's happening, don't blame somebody else. That just means there is a hole that only you can fill. You can't expect other people to get excited or passionate about your stuff and then take the lead on it so you don't have to. That's not how it works. And I mean like anything basically we have some people in both congregations who love movies and get really excited about going to the movies i know who to ask for movie recommendations in both churches and so you know what we're just gonna go watch some movies together this summer cinema ministry it's weird but we're gonna have a blast invite some friends let's try a new thing together In Acts 17, 6, Christians are accused of turning the world upside down. 
And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. They are alarmed by these people getting there. When is the last time we here turned anything upside down? Let's get on that. Let's stop being content with the status quo. Tabitha wasn't. She saw widows who were destitute and forgotten. And instead of saying, well, that's just how it is these days, or I'm not an activist, I'm just a seamstress, she made them clothing. What a great problem solver. And when she died, there was great mourning. People noticed. Sometimes churches do have to close their doors for the last time. They have a life cycle like people do. And often when that happens, the community doesn't really notice much beyond saying, what a shame that big building on the corner is empty now. But sometimes churches find new life and growth and a new important place in the hearts and the minds of their community. They become a story of life restored because their work was too important to die. One thing I've learned over the past two and a half years here is that you all are pretty incredible people. You are loving, you are generous, you are affirming. You are so many wonderful things, just like Tabitha was. I want nothing more than to see these two congregations I love so much rise up like Tabitha. And if you look at the percentages... These two congregations have experienced about 10% growth in active membership over the past two years. That's like if a 500-member church took in 25 members a year. And I can promise you this, there are very few 500-member churches out there taking in 25 people a year. This is hard work. But this can become a story of new life, like Tabitha's. So well done so far. My dear ones, let's keep up the momentum and continue to find work together that is just too important to die. Amen.